Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, but should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to episode 233 of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Elland. The third most common cancer in the world is colon cancer, with nearly three quarters of a million deaths each year. It's more common in developed countries, where about two-thirds of all cases are found. And it's less common in women than it is in men, which I didn't know. Joining us from Washington State to tell her story about colon cancer is Cindy, who does not want us to use her last name. Cindy, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Now, New Year's Eve of 2016, you went to emergency department because of a strange stomach ache. Take us through that day. Correct. I'd been having a lower, kind of a strange stomach ache for about a week. And my husband kept saying, let me take you to the doctor. And I said, no, I'm fine. There's a flu going around. And I woke up about two o'clock that morning on 1231, and I was very violently ill. And the way my body works, I don't usually throw up. I just dry heave. Needless to say, he took me to the emergency room. They did a CT scan. The emergency room doctor walked in and said, oh, honey, your tummy ache just turned into colon cancer and walked out the door. Wow. Just like that. Just like that. Just like that. Just like that. And then he wanted to send me off to one town to a hospital down to the Tri-Cities area. And I was like, no, I want to go to Spokane because they know my anatomy up there. And so that's where we went. Okay. What, due, what, what happened in Spokane? Well, due to it being a holiday, mm-hmm. they initially were going to go in and do a colonoscopy and just remove any blockage while they were going. But due to the holidays, they could do nothing. There was no doctors they could get in to do this. So I laid there um, completely backed up and in pain and physically ill for two to three days, it was either Monday or Tuesday, I don't remember which, that it then, like I said, I can only normally dry heave. Well, suddenly I was no longer dry heaving. I was so backed up that when I was throwing up, it was actually feces coming out. And then it turned into an emergency situation and they immediately rolled me into the operating room. Wow. So your whole system was backed up and it was coming out your mouth instead of the other end. Correct. Correct. And my understanding and hearing the nurses talk, when they opened me up, I was like a fountain. They said every orifices that fluid could come out of, it did. God, that must have been horribly uncomfortable for you. It was. It, I, it was terrible. They even tried to, um, at one point, just for relief, a nurse tried to do an enema, and she couldn't. It was just too bad. Everything was just too backed up. When so. the doctor told you that you had colon cancer and then walked out, and you had to lay there for several days thinking about that, what was going through your mind? You know, I was in so much pain at that point. There wasn't a whole lot going through my mind. Um, 
I do think there was some denial. My husband was with me and we just didn't talk about it being cancer. We just, you know, figured, oh, we'll just have surgery and then all will be good and I'll be good to go. You know, I think we did what a lot of people do. They're kind of in denial when they first hear that, that you have cancer. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, I think they're mistaken. It just had to be polyps or something, you know. And then when I woke up with the colostomy bag on, it's like, okay, maybe they're right. <laughs> so you had the surgery and you woke up with a colostomy bag. Uh-huh. Yep. And I had to have that for six weeks. And then in February of 17, they removed it. They reversed everything and removed it. What are they saying to you at this point about your actual cancer? Are they saying they've got it all or are they saying they want you to do chemo and radiation or? Um. Well, at that point, after that surgery, they said they got it all. They said you're cancer free. Doesn't look like there's anything else there. So the colostomy was reversed. So I went about my business. Um, fast forward to August of that year, I started uh, bleeding as if I was having a menstrual cycle, which wasn't possible because I'd had a complete hysterectomy in prior years. And, um, so I went to a gynecologist and she did a biopsy and said, oh, well, it's cancer. And then she says, well, you need to go in and have a breast exam because I think it's probably breast cancer. So this was a totally different cancer, nothing to do with the colon then? No. Well, as it turns out, it was the colon cancer had metastasized. So it was not breast cancer. And from what they told me is the tumors of breast cancer and colon cancer are very similar. Okay, the so this this metastasized to your uterus or? It was to, at the top of my vagina. Okay. And then they did a PET scan and found out it not only was it, well, at that time it was only at the top of my vagina. And so I went to an oncologist and I went to Seattle and got a second opinion finally made it back to my um, gynecologist oncologist that did my hysterectomy in 07. And she took a look and she says, well, I can remove that. So October of 17, I went in and she did a surgery robiotically. Well, I came home the next day because she said, well, if I nicked anything, we'll know within 24 hours. I was good, came home, was not healing. 12 days later, I I could hardly breathe. Every breath I took, it felt like the Incredible Hulk was squeezing me. And so my husband took me to the hospital and I was airlifted back up to Spokane because I was full-blown septus poisoning. Wow. I went in wow. the next day for emergency surgery and they, the doctor told my husband and kids at that point, if he had not have brought me in, I would have been dead that morning. Said I was within 12 hours of the end of my life. Well, I just find it strange, Cindy, that a doctor sends you on your way after having had surgery and says, if I nicked something, we'll know in 24 hours. Right. Well, I didn't go home for 24 hours. So it was after 24 hours. I was not sick. But the thing of it is, is she didn't nick anything because where I had ripped my intestines while I was home during that 12 days was up. It, what we're thinking is scar tissue from the colostomy bag had attached itself to the upper intestine somewhere, and that's what ripped it. Okay, yeah. No, I was just thinking that it just would sound, seem weird to me to be lying there wondering whether or not a doctor has nicked something. Wouldn't a doctor know if they nicked something? 
Well, she said we would know within 24 hours Mm -hmm. because I wouldn't be getting better. And I was getting better and I felt great. So Mm -hmm. I came on home and it was 12 days later. So septus wouldn't, it would show its head a lot sooner than that. Mm -hmm. So 12 days later, later, and where they found the hole after when I was airlifted was in a completely different spot from where I had surgery. What was it your was state? A- what was your state of mind, uh, Cindy, throughout all this? Um, when I was home and I wasn't healing, I usually bounced back really easily, but I was kind of getting really confused. But we didn't realize I was confused. Um, we had TV on, and I was watching shows. I kept telling my husband, "These are the exact shows that were on last week, but they really weren't." So I was having confusion setting in from the poison from the septus, but didn't mm-hmm. realize it. Oh. They told us to watch for a temperature, bleeding, swelling, redness. I had no symptoms, none whatsoever. Even when I got to the emergency room, I had no fever. And they said that my fever should have been off the charts with the infection I had. So they did surgery and they repaired my insides and put a wound vac in me, which failed. So then they had to pull it off and I was gutted like a fish and I had to just be there and be packed with, you know, every hour, every couple hours they had to come in and redo the the wound. And then my doctor said, well, if things look like I can possibly do it, she says, I'll go back in Monday and try to clean it up and try to put a wound vac on to get that infection out. Well, luckily, when she went back in that Monday, which this now was November of 17, she was able to clean it up enough that the wound vac then worked, and I went home under 24-7 care. You must have been pretty darn sick. Yeah, I could not even walk 30 feet at that point. We got down to my daughter's house, and she has upstairs, and I could not go upstairs for about a week and a half. I couldn't take 16 steps to get up those stairs. So it was quite the ordeal. And then my doctor, I point blank asked her if she would do chemo if she had this cancer, and she said no, she would not, but she would do radiation. So she got me connected with an integrated oncologist in Tri-Cities who he believes in cannabis and he believes in natural means, but he's also a radiologist. So I was set to go see him in January, but in the meantime, I developed a fissure, which is a hole between the vagina and the rectum. So then they said, okay, your insides aren't healing enough. You need to have no food going through your system at all. So they put me on a nutrition bag. Well, about the time when the new year changed and that was going to cost me $2,000 a week and pharmacy said, how are you paying for it? And I said, I'll tell you how I'm taking it off. So I took off the nutrition bag and the wound vac because it had pretty much done his job, its job and returned to work the 1st of January in 18. Then I did go down and I had radiation. It was like six treatments at the top of the vagina Then they did a PET scan, I want to say March of that year, discovered it had now metastasized, it had came back to the top of the vagina, and it had metastasized into my liver and my spleen. So at that point, my husband, well, prior to that, my husband had been um, making me suppositories with high THC, 
multi-strain using the full plant extract. Uh, we don't make it ourselves because of where we live. It's just not feasible. Um, so I was using those as often as I could think of it. You know, I was taking them with me everywhere I went and using them as much as I could, plus putting RSO under my tongue at night. And then the integrated oncologist, when the tumor came back to the top of the vagina, he looked me straight in the eye and he said, you know, I'm a cannabis guy. And I seriously think you need some low-dose chemo pills. And he also is actually a doctor here in Washington that signs uh, cannabis medical cards for patients. He knows, uh, I think her name's Tracy Sari yeah. that does yeah. patient. Yeah. Yeah, we interviewed her. Yes. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And I contacted her as well. And that's how I got my card was through her initially. Mm -hmm. And then when I had told her my oncologist had signed my card, she knew him by name. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I went to my regular medical oncologist and I started taking the low dose chemo pills. But I had he had to reduce the amount because it was really making my feet burn. And that's one thing it does. But in the meantime, I was continuing with cannabis, and one day the doctor, he's like, you know, you don't have very many side effects. You know, I really had very minimal side effects, and he goes, tell me again what you're doing with cannabis, because this is not my integrated on oncologist, it's the medical. And so I told him, and he said, you know, it's working, right? I said, yeah, I thought so too. So then October of Last year, 18, they did another CT scan, and one tumor in my spleen was gone. The other one was shrinking, and the tumors in my liver were shrinking. The tumor at the top of the vagina had stayed the same. So then we fast forward to this year. I've not had any chemo pills at all because the cost of them went up so expensive, I'm not going to spend $3,400 a month to poison myself. So we just ramped up the RSO a little bit more. I started, I think at my max, I got to three grains of rice at night. And that just really, I have really low tolerance. So it just really knocks me out. Right. Sleep like a baby for sure. So they did another PET scan of March of this year. And all tumors were continuing to shrink. The one in the spleen had still not came back. The one, the vagina one was starting to shrink. Did a new, then they did the PET scan because the CT scan was kind of inconclusive. So they did a PET scan because the CT scan still showed tumors, even though they were shrinking. And then about three weeks ago, I went for another CT scan because my insurance will not let me have a PET scan. And the CT scan showed no tumors whatsoever. Awesome. So just said, you know, you are in remission. So are so. you cancer-free then? Well, they've never actually said technically cancer-free, but the CT scan shows no tumors. It, now, if they did a PET scan, would it show tumors? I don't, I don't know that. How often but, were you doing suppositories? Well, at the height of my use, I was trying to use them three, four, five times a day. Okay. Every time I went to the restroom and I thought about it, I would use it. You know, it's interesting, Cindy. Um, 
often there'll be an article come through my news feed about how you're wasting your money and wasting your oil if you're doing suppositories and that they don't work, yada, yada. I got to tell you that 95% of the people I've helped clear do a protocol of suppository morning, suppository afternoon, oral dose at night. So I, I, I call BS on that. I'm sorry, but I do. And, and you're yet another example of this. Right. And we had gotten through advice with you and um, Lynn, we had gotten the hemp seed oil. To use as a carrier. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you guys told us that it opens up more receptors. So that's mm-hmm. what my husband made the suppositories with. Oh, awesome. So yeah, did he, he just it, use just hemp seed oil and uh, cannabis oil or did he use cocoa butter or olive oil as well? He used a little bit of, of the coconut oil. Okay. Okay. So. Just to help it solidify a little bit. And for the most part, we just use the high THC, but sometimes we would put in the CBD RSO as well. How much uh, oil were you putting in each suppository, do you figure, just approximately? You know, it's really hard to tell because it, a couple times when he made a couple of batches, he put like four to six grams of RSO in it and then divided them up. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it was really hard to tell because he would make, you know, maybe 12 to 20. You know, make a number of them at a time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was hard to say how much was in it. Your husband has been a big support for you, hasn't he? Oh, yes. He, be- he began researching all of this uh, when a friend of ours had ovarian cancer. And we was really working with her to try to get her on it. And she finally got on it and it improved her numbers. And she had that last dose of chemo that put her in her deathbed. But, Mm. you know, she passed before she was even 50. And that was almost six years ago, I think. How did you guys first hear about uh, cannabis oil? Um, my husband, when my friend was sick, she, he started really doing some research on it. He found the run from the cure, watched those videos and testimonials, and he just kept researching and researching. And he has arthritis pretty bad, and so he started using it for his arthritis, and we just kind of escalated from there. How's he done with that? He does great. His fingers never hurt anymore. You know, he's, he used to have what they call sausage fingers all the time. He doesn't have that anymore. So. Good. He, he, Aging sucks, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> well, and, you know, the doctor, not my oncologist so much, but my oncologist was out because he was ill and his partner just really kept pushing. Well, if you can't afford the chemo pills, then you need to go on IV chemo and you need to make the right decision. I said, I will not make that decision. I will not go on IV chemo. I heard, I've seen it kill people and I won't do it. You did make the right decision though, Cindy, just not his right decision. Exactly. And I finally saw my oncologist three weeks ago when he read my CT scan and he said, you know, you are in remission. Now, keep in mind, I haven't seen him since February because he was out sick. And he goes, you keep doing what you're doing. He goes, just he goes, refresh my memory on why you don't want to do IV chemo. And I told him, I said, if you had to lower my dose of pills because it was burning my feet, what makes you think I can handle two weeks of chemo? in two hours. And he goes, you're absolutely right. You will not handle it. 
He goes, you just keep doing what you're doing. You keep up with the cannabis and we'll see you in two months. This is the longest I've ever had of not having to see him in two and a half years. Hmm. I think you're converting him. I think so too. Cindy, how much cannabis are you taking now? I I still, I only do about between one and two grains of rice a night. Okay. So a maintenance dose. Yeah. You're not doing any suppositories in the day right now? No, okay. no, not currently. Thank you. And so you're doing a high THC oil. Is it mixed strain? Yes, okay. it's it's mixed strain. It's the full plant extract. Yes. Mm. Um, luckily, there's a dispensary nearby me that the owner there has been studying this since she was 13 years old. She kind of guides you, but she doesn't say, "Oh, this is what I prescribe," because she can't do yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, but she's wonderful. That's fantastic. Cindy, at any point during this ordeal you've had with your health, with the colon cancer and the cancer of the liver, spleen, and and vagina, did you ever want to just give up? You know, when I found out in August of 17 that a tumor was back and it was at the top of my vagina, I did not tell my husband. I did not tell my kids. I came home from work for two days. I came home early, went straight to my bed, sat there and cried for two days, two nights. That's what I did. Then on that, I remember it was a Thursday, that Thursday morning I got up and I was getting ready for work. Now keep in mind again, I still hadn't told my husband or my kids. I looked in my mirror as I was putting on my makeup and I said, excuse my language, but I said, fuck those doctors. And I go, they're not, I'm not going to be sick because they're telling me to be sick. And I guess I put on my big girl pants and I told my husband and my kids and we've been, they've been very supportive and we're to this point now. In fact, at one point, the one oncologist in Spokane that I didn't care for and I switched, uh, they sent in a mental health person to help me fill out she goes, well, I'm here to help you fill out uh, disability paperwork. And I said, why do I need disability? Well, because you have stage four cancer. And I said, and I can still work. And then she says, well, we need to get you hooked up with a mental health counselor. And I said, for what? I said, to help you deal with this because you're sick. I said, lady, I'm not going to be sick just because you're telling me to be sick. I said, do I look sick? She goes, well, no. I said, well, I'm not sick. And she goes, well, you need support. I said, do you not see my husband sitting right here? There's my support system right there. I was like, I don't need you. But I was just very surprised at how much they instantly wanted to get you on disability, basically get you to give up on life. Yeah, they want you to quit and uh, fit into their paradigm. Yeah, and I told them, I'm not going to do it. You know, I've seen people do that. I've seen, you know... My mom and sister, they didn't have cancer, but they had other ailments, and they stopped. They stopped working. They started sitting around, and they just got worse and worse and worse. And I went, that's not going to be me. Yeah, you did a 180 flip on your mental attitude, which I think is really, really remarkable. I mean, for two days, you were, for lack of a better term, down in the dumps, and you were almost at the point of giving up, but then... As you say, you looked in the mirror and said, it's not going to happen. Exactly. Exactly. 
And, you know, and I hate to use that word, but that's exactly what I said to myself. It was like, you just need to straighten up. You have grandbabies to raise, you know, to see raised and you just got to stick around. How does your daughter, how many children do you have? I have two. I have a son and a daughter. Do uh, How supportive are they of your cannabis use? Oh, 100%. Absolutely 100%. They all know it. They, um, you know, they know I only do it at night when I'm going to sleep. You know, I, if I'm in charge of the children, of course, I don't do it then because I'm in charge of the children. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't do anything at all during the day because I have to function. And I'm, I'm to the pers- type of person that cannot function when I'm on it. I, I literally go to sleep. It puts me to sleep. It doesn't matter what type of strain it is, how much I use. I go to sleep. What about with suppositories? Suppositories did not bother me at all. Mm-hmm. Those I could function on. I do, you don't get high, high from suppositories at all. Mm-hmm. But you got high, didn't you, Corey, with suppositories when you had cancer? You love to bring that up. Yeah. Yes, I did. But that's because I put it too far up. That was before there, there was go. anybody out there to talk to about this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. the, so for listeners, once again, just so you know, inch, inch and a half in, inch and a half maximum, no further. Right. Well, and see, and my husband instructed me because he had watched all your videos and listened to most of the podcast. And, you know, he's like, okay, this is what they say. So this is what you're going to do. Well, we're just really glad it worked. Yeah. And my husband has said that he goes, well, it's always your choice. If you ever want to do chemo IV, he goes, but I'd much rather if before you ever made that choice is he goes, I'd rather take a weekend and put you in a cannabis Coma is how he put it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he goes, you know, if we had to give you two, three, four, five grams in a weekend and let you sleep for days, that's what we'd do. Yeah, he's uh, he's really supportive of you, and I think that's great. I, I think one of the we've talked to a number of people, uh, some people on the podcast who have used cannabis and have regained their health. And then a relative tells them how evil it is. And oh. remember there was the Rose, the, the elderly woman in Ontario? Mm, yeah, yeah. She had lung and... Um, brain. Brain cancer. She was doing fine, and then a relative told her that uh, cannabis was bad. She stopped taking it, and she died. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, she went and had radiation. Radiation, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Why is there such a misconception that it's so bad, but chemo is okay? I don't know. I, you know, actually, this brings back to my memory, uh, this uh, mother or father-daughter team that we interviewed last year. And he had colon cancer, I believe, and was doing okay on the oil. He was elderly, and uh, his doctor talked him into doing chemotherapy. And by the time he finished chemo, it had messed to a number of places, I think kidney and or bladder or something, or prostate, or I think it was three other places that it had messed to. And then he went back on oil, and uh, he's clear, actually, now, completely clear. But I, I don't get that, you know, when, particularly when the results are there to see where you're actually right. making progress and things are going right. Right. Well, and my whole family, my husband and kids, you know, they are 100% on board. They're saying, you try anything that's going to keep you here. Yeah, that's great. So it's safe to say that you are clear of disease now. 
I believe so. To me, to me, that's what remission says. I mean, yeah. they would have to do an actual PET scan, but the tumors were getting so small at that time that I fully believe I'm, I'm cancer-free. Cindy, have you changed your diet at all? Um, a little bit. You know, I've upped my vitamins. I try to eat healthier, but, you know, it's kind of hard to do when, you know, when you go through a year and a half of almost not eating at all. You know, yeah. your body, oh, well, I want to try that. and I Or your brain, not your body, says, oh, I want to try this, want to try that. So, you know, I was on the keto diet for a while and lost a little bit of weight that I'd started gaining back after regaining my health and going to go back on that again real soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, interesting, Dr. Bob Malamede swears by the uh, keto diet in conjunction with cannabis oil for people who are fighting cancer. He's seen right. a lot of success with that. And so does my integrated oncologist. Oh, interesting. I should send you links to his website and name. He does a lot of research all the time. Absolutely like that. And I'll uh, post it up on uh, my pages. Yeah. And he has a group on Facebook and he has a group that, uh, I mean, he, and he gives seminars all the time on cannabis is one of them. First time I walked in his office and I saw a pamphlet like that, I looked at it and I showed it to my husband. I go, look. And Hallelujah. then when he, <laughs> yeah, when he recommended the general oncologist, I said, I want one that's cannabis friendly. And so that's where they sent me. While I don't know that my oncologist fully believes it, but he's watched me and he's like, okay, I think so. It's working. You know, cause he fully admitted to me it's working. So Cindy, where do you think you'd be today if you hadn't done cannabis? I'd probably be dead. Honestly, because they had told me, you know, when they were trying to push the chemo on me, they said, well, we've seen it, you know, extend your life maybe five years. I said, as opposed to what? And he goes, one. Well, here I am, you know, almost two years later and I'm still breathing and I'm, my husband says I look healthier now than what I did before I even got cancer. Did you smack him? No, no, <laughs> no, he's so happy to have me around. I'm just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. Cindy, it's wonderful that you're, uh, you're healthy now and uh, your troubles are behind you. We really appreciate you taking your time to talk to us about this. Thanks very much. Well, thank you. And I appreciate you guys and all the hard work you both do. Thank you, Cindy. Yeah, Corey was one of my first contacts, one of my first contacts I made when I found out I had cancer. She was one of my first contacts too, when I was doing a, a an open line show about, yeah. about cannabis. And yeah, she's very much appreciated. Well, you both are. This radio pr program is very important. Thank you very much, Cindy. Greatly appreciate your comments. Remarkable story. Very remarkable. She's been through a lot. That's another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. We'd like to thank Ron Zahar of Rowan Sound in Victoria for his producing and uh, hosting us so we can bring you these stories about medical use of cannabis. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, 
please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey friends, I'm Brandon and I'm Saba and we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout podcast, an educational platform to connect with the cannabis community and share personal stories while breaking the stigma of marijuana. Join us every Sunday at 7 p.m. to gain valuable insight with different perspectives from industry leaders, growers, and medical marijuana patients. This is a place to learn so much from different angles in the cannabis industry. So tune in while we break it all down.